The following podcast is a presentation of Liberty Christian Fellowship, loving God and loving people in a hurting world. For more information about our church, visit us online at libertyobx.com. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and Instagram for updates and encouragement. We hope this message inspires you and blesses you. Now prepare your hearts to hear a powerful word from God. God bless. This is Isaiah chapter 9. We've been in this uh, chapter here looking at those words uh, for several weeks. And uh, today we're going to dig back into that a little bit more. But I'm praying today that your heart will not tend to think, well, it's Christmas Sunday and we're going to talk about a Mary and a Joseph and a baby boy and a manger and some shepherds and some wise men and, and kind of just get the retelling of the Christmas story like you do on a Christmas. And you kind of have already figured out what you were going to get when you came to church today. I'm praying that your heart is prepared and that your mind is looking for something maybe new uh, in this for you uh, today. So let me ask you this. Um, how many of you guys are excited about Christmas? All right. I like that. Um, my kids from months ago, Olivia in particular, starts counting down the weeks, and now she's been counting down the days, and she'll even run up to you and go, one more day till Christmas. She's been counting. She's been waiting. Um, I don't know. Have you been shopping? Who's going shopping after they leave church today? All right. Well, I can guarantee you about waiting today. You're going to be waiting in line somewhere today if you're shopping, right? And so Olivia's been waiting for Christmas. Some of you are waiting for Christmas to get over. Some of you will be waiting in a line. But when we look at this passage of Scripture here in Isaiah 9, these people were waiting, and they waited. That it was a time in Israel's history where there was division between the northern and the southern kingdoms of Israel. And there was idolatry and worship of other gods. It was a dark time in their history. It was a difficult time. And then Isaiah, some 700 years or so before the birth of Jesus, makes the statement that a Messiah, a Savior will come, that a son will be born, a child will be given, that he will be wonderful, counselor, Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And then he makes this great statement, which I know that they were desperate for in their day, which was, and his kingdom's never going to end. Because they were worried about it. There was division, there was darkness, there was difficulty. There was pain and some suffering in their season. We can identify with that. You've been in a season at some point that you were waiting for it to get over, Right? Amen? Anybody? Me? Okay. I can beat the test case. I've had difficult stuff that I've wanted to get over, that I was waiting, like, how long? 700 years for these people. But I know this, that this morning, sitting right out here, and then certainly some people that aren't here too, some of you are still waiting. Some people are still waiting for the Savior to come. They're still waiting for a Messiah. They're waiting for a breakthrough. They're waiting for the darkness to be lifted. They're waiting. And I just want you to know that this scripture is for you and should be super exciting for you. When it says in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, it says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. If you're waiting in a place in your life, I just want you to know To you, to you, Jesus has been given. 
He's available to you. And the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government, or as some translations say, of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, and establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And what's great is it doesn't depend on you. The scripture tells us right here, it says that the zeal of the Lord is going to accomplish it. What's been made available to you in Jesus is a matter of us receiving it, but God accomplishes it. Okay? So it's an exciting, exciting time. So we've looked at wonderful. Uh, Pastor Catherine, a couple weeks ago, these are online if you want to listen to them. I would encourage you to go back. She shared an incredible message, and she talked about the word wonderful here in the Scripture, and she said that it's the essence of wonder, that God is the essence of what wonder truly is, that he is wonderful. He's full of what should cause us wonder when we gaze at him, and that he is the counselor for us that know Jesus and what's been made available to us in Jesus is that we can have the mind of Christ. We get to have godly counsel. It's been made available to us. And then dad shared last week, Pastor John said that he is the mighty God, that he is almighty, that he's all the might there is. He's almighty. And he was showing for us that he is almighty over the spiritual realm which means if you've been attacked by darkness, by evil, you struggle with those things, he is almighty over that. That he is almighty over the natural realm, that even the winds and the waves obey him, that there's nothing you face in your life from bad doctor's appoint, uh, uh, reports to, to car accidents to whatever that God's not almighty over. That he is almighty over sickness, As we saw where Jesus with the woman with the issue of blood, as dad shared last week, that sickness had to bend its knee to the one who's almighty, right? And that he is almighty over death, that he's conquered death so that for those of us that are in Christ, not even death gets to have the final word on you, that he is almighty. But he's not just mighty, he's the everlasting father. He's the father that won't quit on you. He's the one who adopts but never gives up on He won't leave you or forsake you. And then it says he is the prince of peace, which we'll touch on a little bit today, that there will be no end to his rule, that that his increase will go on and on and on, which means it's not just a matter of, okay, I can feel a little better about my circumstance. See, peace for us is not about the resolution of conflict. Peace is a person. He's the prince of peace. It's his presence that's been made available to you. And if he is forever, he is eternal, there is no end to him, then it's ever-increasing peace that's available to you. That his rule and reign in your life can ever increase. So unto us a child was born, and unto us he has been given. That all of heaven's highest has been made available to us, and it is for you. You don't have to wait any longer. He's been born, and he is here. He came. You stood outside my grave. When he spoke, our hearts, our hearts can come alive in him. So when we talk about Christmas around, at least at Liberty, for us crazy folks around here, it's not about some little thing you set up on your mantle in your house and you go, ooh, little baby Jesus. 
cute little baby Jesus, right? We're not, for us, it's an ever-increasing thing that we have been invited into that completely transforms our lives, that launches us into a completely new reality. We are new creations in Christ. That means the moment that you believe in Jesus, what you are in that moment is something that has never existed before. You're a brand new creation. The Christmas message is so much more than a little baby boy born on a little quiet night in a dirty stall in an animal's feeding bucket, a trough, a manger. It's something for you and something for me. All right, so have you ever gotten a gift that was not something you were looking for or on Christmas, something that it was different than what you had asked for? Anybody? Um, I, um, when I was a kid one year, I had asked for um, an electric racetrack. And some of us that are, you know, I know technology has really progressed, but those of us who remember the ones with the little paddles with the trigger, right? And you had the track with the little slot car. I had wanted one of those for Christmas. And so I got up Christmas morning, and what was set up down in the living room was some orange track and some Hot Wheels that you can push. Now, who knows what Hot Wheel track is good for? Anybody ever smack your brother or sister with one of those? It makes the best noise and leaves an incredible welt. Um, It was not something I was looking for. It was not something I was looking for. I think that often when we get wrapped up into Christmas season and Christmas services, that there's just something more and different than what we're looking for. So as we get into this for just a few minutes, and I'm not going to keep you long today, I want you to ask yourself, what are you looking for in this Christmas season? And as we spend a few minutes together today, maybe as we look at this with a Joseph and a Mary and some shepherds and little baby Jesus and some uh, uh, wise men and a star, maybe we can push aside what we normally understand a little bit. And maybe, just maybe, there's something new and fresh that can be spoken into and written into our hearts today. Maybe we can just look for something a little different. Maybe, uh, I love what Jonathan Helser says, that whenever we take time to just push back and call out on the name of Jesus or just gaze upon him, to take time just to really reflect on him, in that moment we create a manger in our hearts that Jesus can be born in that moment. I want that for you today. So if you will, um, I want you to flip over to Luke chapter 1 with me. We're going to start there. We find uh, these two main accounts here of the birth of Jesus in Luke and in Matthew. And we're going to take a look at both of these today. And just believe that the Lord's going to uh, reveal some things to us as we share for a few minutes. I want you to look down at uh, verse 26 with me in chapter 1 of the book of Luke. It says this, In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings to you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great. 
He will be the son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. Now, Mary, uh, I don't know about you, uh, most of us uh, come to the understanding that Mary was a teenager. She was probably pretty young. And if an angel shows up and you've not seen an angel before, that's probably shocking enough. But then when the angel tells you you're going to be pregnant, and you probably have some clue how that works, and you're going, I don't think so, you would have been overwhelmed in the moment. But what the angel tells her is really interesting, because as a Jew, she would have understood and have heard messianic prophecies. And when the angel says to her, son of the most high, give him the throne of his father David, Mary in that moment would have gone, my goodness, this is the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy. That a child's going to be born and a son's going to be given. This is that moment. It must have been incredibly overwhelming to her. But what I love about Mary is, uh, Mary, I think, to a certain degree, reminds me of my, my own amazing and lovely bride who tends to be very blunt sometimes. And Mary just goes, okay, so how's that going to happen? what she says. How's this going to be? You know, that's always our question I shared recently here uh, in another service. That's always our question. Our question is always how. Our question is why, right? But God always has an answer, but often it's not necessarily the answer that we're looking for because I think sometimes we're asking the wrong questions. And the angel just says, hey, nothing's impossible with God. Or no word with God will ever fail, as the scripture says. Her answer is how? He goes, eh, God's got it. No word with God ever fails. Nothing's impossible with God. Just trust me. Trust me. And Mary's answer, she says, I am your servant. So be it to me as you have said. Did you know that's the response that unlocks the move of God? So often we're demanding the how and we're demanding the why. So we get all tormented and we don't have peace. And we're all wore out over what's going on in our life as we're going, how? We're going, why? And God's just going, hey, nothing's impossible with me. And if we could in those moments have that response to the Lord to say, hey, hey, I'm your servant and whatever you say, God. Not whatever you say if I like it. And not whatever you say if it turns out the way I want or the way I think. But I'm your servant and whatever you say unlocks the move of God. And then as you uh, uh, move on there in the scripture, they, they go on uh, in chapter 2 um, because uh, the king has called a census and everybody has to go to their hometown to be registered for the census. And so they go back to Bethlehem because Joseph is of the line of David. And so they go to Bethlehem uh, to register uh, for that. And it comes time for the baby to be born. You know the story. There was no room for them in the inn. And so they wind up down in the animal stalls in the stable, probably a little cave. And Jesus is born in a manger, in a feeding trough where animals would eat. And then if you look down at verse 8 with me in chapter 2, it says this. 
And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those whom God's favor rests. So these guys, these shepherds, they're just out in the field, hanging out at night with the sheep, so they don't run off, and they're just doing their job. Showing up in an ordinary moment. That's ordinary for them. Nothing special about the night. Sheep are munching on grass or sleeping, whatever they're doing. And they're hanging out. And the sky splits open and an angel appears in an ordinary moment. Often we find that we're not looking for God in ordinary moments. We're only trying to pull the fire alarm when everything goes bad, right? God help me. Fire alarm prayers. An ordinary moment God breaks through. And their response is, do not be afraid. And this is a key I want you to lay hold of this morning. Why did the angels say, do not be afraid? Well, we're told. They said, because we bring you good news of great joy. I just want you to know that anything that comes from the Lord is good. You never need to fear. He always has good news. Every word that God speaks and every thought that he thinks over your life is good news. When God comes on the scene, when he splits the sky in ordinary moments, and when God breaks through with your fire alarm prayer, it's good news. Because he's good. The Bible says that he is light and there's no darkness in him at all. He says, I know the thoughts that I think about you. I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. We know that one. And they are good plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. Just this morning, remember that it's good. And what's interesting is they go on to say when all the angels join them, they say, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom God's God's favor rests. That what is happening in that moment on that night is for two things. It is for God's glory, and it is for peace on earth. And there was peace in Bethlehem, and peace himself laid in a manger. There was peace on earth. Peace had arrived in a little baby boy. And God was going to receive glory through it all. And I just want you to know that in in your journey, in the things that you encounter, in your walk, in this season of your life, that that declaration can be over your life. That God can receive the glory and that there can be peace in those circumstances. Glory to God in the highest and peace on whom God's favor rests. Now that's key. If you're sitting here this morning and you're wondering, okay, what in the world is he talking about? Peace and Christmas story and they're trying to make more out of the Christmas story that's in the book. No. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. This is the good news. Why do I know that? Do you know how the favor of God rests? Is that you receive Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's why he sent you. So on that night in Bethlehem, peace was on the earth. It was a little baby boy. It was peace himself, right? But the way that you receive the peace is that you receive the one who was sent. So just because there's peace on the earth, and we all would agree on this, 
Jesus has come doesn't mean that there's peace everywhere. Anybody else experienced a lack of peace? Wars, rumors of wars, terror attacks, difficulty, financial distress, family distress. We wind up helping, I think, somewhere over, over 50 families. I, can't, I don't know the exact number. I know it was over 50 families this year that were in need for Christmas. There are people that are struggling in this season. They don't have peace. How do you receive peace? You receive Jesus. Over in the book of Romans, chapter 5, verse 1 says this. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And down in verse 8, it says this, but God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Other translations say that while we were still enemies with God, we were at war with God. There was no peace. But when peace himself arrives, and then we receive peace by giving our lives to Christ, we receive Christ, then peace resides within us, and we have peace with God, and then we can become instruments of peace everywhere we go. This is a significant declaration by these angels on that night. God wants to glorify himself in your life and through your life. God wants to be seen in the way you love and the way you serve and the way you give. That God would be the way the way that you give yourself away to the lives of other people reveals God to other people. His glory is made manifest and it's because you have peace. By surrendering your life to Jesus Christ. Glory to God in the highest and peace on earth. This peace is accessible to all who believe. John 1.12, one of my favorites, says, To as many who receive him and to as many that believe in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. And then over uh, further down in verses 15 through 20, the, the shepherds head on out like it was revealed to him. And they find the baby, just as the angel said, in a manger, and they worship him. And when they leave from there, they go on their way, praising God and declaring his goodness to everybody, everywhere they went, for what they had seen and what they had heard. When's the last time you had an encounter with the Lord where when you left that encounter with the Lord, everywhere you went, you were praising and declaring God to all the people around you for the things that you had seen and the things you had heard? Did you know that's available to you? He's come. He's here. He's ever-present. Now, if you will, I want you to flip over to Matthew with me. And in Matthew um, chapter 1, it starts in about verse 19. We have Matthew's account um, here of the birth of Jesus. I want you to look down, if you will, at verse 18. And it says this. This is how the birth of the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. But after he had considered this, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. Because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you will give him the name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet, the prophet Isaiah. 
The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel Lord commanded him and took Mary home as his wife. But he did not consummate the marriage until she gave birth to a son. And, she, and he gave him the name Jesus. We find Joseph in a predicament in Matthew's account. Because Joseph, being a, probably a master carpenter, and, uh, but also being a man of royal bloodline, a descendant of David, and he was a man who was faithful to the law of the day, the religious law. And when he is, his wife is found to be pregnant out of wedlock when they're engaged to be married, that's a major issue for him. In their day, she could be put to death. There's the violation of the law there, which is a public disgrace for him as, as a faithful man, a faithful Judaizer, a person who followed the law. It was a serious, serious issue in their day. But the angel comes to him and says, no, there's a different plan. And the child that your wife is carrying is the one that Isaiah prophesied. The same thing that Mary heard. This is the fulfillment. This is the child that unto us, this child will be born. This son will be given. Your wife is carrying, or your wife-to-be is carrying the Messiah. And so in that moment, he makes the right decision and decides to follow the word of the Lord. Did you know sometimes the thing that the Lord is wanting to do in your heart, the Lord is speaking to you, is going to be uncomfortable. And it may not be publicly acceptable. I was telling somebody recently that perfect love is messy to humans. We think that perfect love's got to be perfect as we define perfection. The truth is, as we read scripture, perfect love is in a sloppy manger <laughs> where animals have been licking up oats or hay. And perfect love is bloody and beaten and nasty on a cross. Perfect love is a little messy and offensive to humans sometimes. And we have Joseph here in a response. In a moment that I'm sure was scary for him. And what's going to happen? Decided to do the uncomfortable thing. And believe the word of the Lord. And be obedient to it. The angel comes and explains the child is special. I think it's amazing here, and Catherine talked about this uh, uh, two Sundays ago, how over and over and over we see God confirming and fulfilling his word. Just as God had said, Mary saying, be it to me as you have said, and it happened. Over and over and over again, we see God always faithful to what he has said. So part of the Christmas story, part of what brings us so much peace is when we lay hold of the promises in Scripture and what God has said, God is faithful to fulfill what he has said. Just like Joseph, in a moment of risk, decided to believe the word of the Lord. And Joseph got to see that word fulfilled. No word of God will ever fail. And then over in chapter 2, when you, we find a famous story here where the wise men show up. The wise guys come from a far east. They're astrologers. They've been looking at the sky. They're highly educated. They're wealthy. And they see this stuff in the heavens. And they follow it. They read the signs and say, this Messiah has been born. We're going to go find this guy. We're going to worship him, right? And they take a trip by and see King Herod because they're looking for the baby. And Herod's terrified about the prophesied child has been born. He sits on a path to kill the baby, right? The wise men find 
baby Jesus. About a year later, um, just we've said this before, just so you know, don't throw out your manger scene at home with wise men in it, but the wise men weren't there. They showed up about a year later um, and found Jesus as a toddler, and, uh, and they brought him the gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And they worshiped him. And then they went back home. I want you to pay attention to these two accounts here. They're very different. Same story, each telling different parts. And when you put the two together, you get the whole story from all the angles. Luke, inspired by the Holy Spirit, writes his gospel, I don't know if you know this, to the Gentiles, to non-Jewish people. Primarily is who his gospel was written to. And the form of Greek language that Luke used was what we might call ordinary Greek. He didn't use high educated Greek language and words. He wrote it for the common people to read and to hear and to understand. Um, He focuses on, on Mary, not Joseph. Luke does. A teenage girl overwhelmed by her circumstances, but yet obedient to God. He shows us shepherds who were lowly and rejected by their society and their culture. Shepherds were considered nasty and dirty and cast aside from normal society. In that time, they were considered to be a lower caste of people. He tells us about them that the angels first appear to. And he shows us Jesus born where animals eat. Not even born... In a house surrounded by family to celebrate. Just Mary, just Joseph, and an animal feeding trough. And then you look at Matthew's account, inspired by the Holy Spirit to write these things down. And his gospel was written to the Jews, primarily to the Jewish people. So he speaks all throughout the book of Matthew to their history and to their traditions. He uses language that would speak to what they valued He shows Jesus as the fulfillment of everything that they've been looking for through the law. He shows us Joseph, who had royal blood of the line of David, a man. He talks about going to Bethlehem and points out Isaiah's prophecy about being born in the town of David. He tells us about a king, King Herod. He tells us about these highly educated and wealthy people from the Far East that would come to worship Jesus. And that they give him these gifts that are declarations that the Jewish people would know. That frankincense is not a normal gift to give babies, you know. You give baby a pacifier, right? Frankincense was incense that was burned in, t- in the temple in worship to God. And they give him gold. Gold was a gift for a king, not an infant. Gold was given to kings, and then they give him myrrh. Myrrh was ointment for dead people. They used it to anoint dead bodies before burial, all saying that Jesus is the priest, high priest, that Jesus is the king, and that Jesus is the lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world. So Matthew points all of this out. So what do we make of all of this? I'll tell you what stuck out to me in looking at this this year. We make a lot of presumptions. God will do this this way. God wouldn't do that that way. Well, I need this, and I need it this way. Well, God will never provide that over there. You're asking for the wrong thing. We make a lot of presumptions about how God would do things. God will show up here. He won't show up there. God can't honor that. We make a lot of presumptions. God only moves in ways that we're comfortable with. 
But if you look at the arrival of Jesus as described by these two men in Scripture, it's mind-blowing that this wonderful counselor, this mighty God, this everlasting Father, this Prince of Peace, whose kingdom is ever going to increase and never end, the one who rules and reigns, is born to a teenager, to a working-class man of a royal bloodline, born in total scandal, to unlearned, unlowly, to lowly shepherds, to wealthy and wise. He's born in a nowhere town, a teeny tiny little nowhere town, recognized as a king by a king. Herod, terrified of him, and born as a little baby boy. He's born to young, old, Jew, Greek, man, woman, educated, uneducated. He just came and made himself available to everybody And it wasn't necessarily in a way that anybody was looking for. Isaiah tells us that of his kingdom and peace, there will ever be increase. Luke and Matthew show us that he has come and God's glory and peace are now here. So I just want to submit to you on this Christmas Eve morning here that no matter where you've been, no matter what you're carrying, no matter how you're looking for it, no matter how you desire it or want it, I just want you to know that he has been made available to you. The Prince of Peace himself, the one who rules and reigns. And sometimes we've got to stop being so desperate about how we want it or how we think we need it. And just begin to open our hearts to say, he came, just as he said. And I'm your servant, and just be it to me however you say And I promise you, packed in that is a Christmas miracle for you. There's breakthrough and peace for you. So I just want to pray a simple prayer for us together this morning. If you've been in a place where you need peace, I want us just to pray and agree for the Prince of Peace to invade that place in your life today. Can we do that? So let's stand together. I want to pray for you this morning. Just a show of faith this morning, if you're in need of the peace of God in a circumstance down in your heart, for whatever it is you're facing, if you need a peace of God in your mind, can I just see a show of hands this morning? We're going to pray for you. If you just need peace today. If you need the initial peace, because it's the only place that it truly comes from, which is for the Savior to come. To as many that receive him, to as many that believe in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. That his favor can rest upon you and you can have peace when you place your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If that's you, this is your moment too. We're just going to pray for peace today. The Prince of Peace to come. He's made himself available to you. The shed blood on a cross paid for your sin. And we get to receive by faith today. Father, for all of us here this morning that are looking for peace, the Prince of Peace to come, that you are wonderful and that you would bring godly counsel into those circumstances, that people could discover that you are mighty, mighty to save, mighty to heal, mighty to set free, that you're the Father that will never leave or forsake, that you don't judge or chastise, but that you adopt and you receive that that could break through and that there would be peace in the hearts and minds of these folks today.
and that we in turn could become instruments of peace. Everywhere we go and everyone we encounter. That I believe Matthew and Luke's description covers every person in this room today. From a teenage girl to a working class guy to kings and educated to lowly poor and uneducated. People from nowhere towns. Covers all of us today, Lord. That you have come in the city of David and have made yourself available to us today. So right now, Lord, I just declare peace over these folks in this house today, that there would be peace of mind, peace of heart, that the Prince of Peace would invade into the lives of the folks here today, fill them to their very measure. Lord, as we celebrate Christmas, we understand that the manger in Bethlehem was completely in the shadow of a cross, that Jesus was on mission from the day he was born to a Roman cross, to make sure there was an empty grave. Just let hope rise up. Thank you for Jesus, Lord. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to let you go. And now we're going to have our prayer folks up here. And if you have any prayer need this morning, they'll be here to pray for you. But from myself and all the staff and the elders of the church here, we want to say Merry Christmas to you guys. We love you. Let the Prince of Peace rule and reign, and we'll see you tonight at 5 o'clock. Merry Christmas, gang.